welcome to the Mass Fans for Life podcast. I am your host, Landon Thomas. I am joined by the full crew. The full crew is back. Let's go. Ian Kayanja, Shanavaz Makani, and Kendra Dunson. Y'all, it's good to be back. It's like a family reunion, right? Man, I'm already I'm already cooking up the ribs. Y'all want any? <laughs> <laughs> Always exciting. Always exciting. He is like that one crazy cousin that that you. What? you, you, you and now I'm that to... uncle that I'm that uncle that educates y'all on ball, man. Uncle Drew, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Well, we got a great episode. We got a lot to talk about. A lot to dive in here. So the topics for today's episode: Jason Kidd's report card. That's going to be interesting to get all three of the takes on that. The Western Conference outlook. There's a lot of competitive teams this season thus far, early in the season. And then what we all want to talk about is Luka's high usage sustainable for the Mavericks' success. So let's start with Jason Kidd's report card. Where do we begin? Okay, so let's start with Jason Kidd's report card. I want each of you to give me a grade on how he's done so far in the season and just why you think that is the grade that you give him. So Ian, I'm going to start with you. We'll do, we could do the pluses and minuses. So what's your grade for Jason kid? I'm, I'm a tough grader. Uh, not many pass my class. And <laughs> as things stand right now. Are you smiling when you say that? I'll, look, I'm, I call it as I see it. Okay. And I'll give Jason Kidd a D. Okay, explain. Because, one, he had a starting spot given away before what should have been a training camp battle. And then this has led to being into the season, fumbling through lineup sheets, testing things out, and still not getting an answer to a needed question. Is who is going to anchor the starting five-man unit? Who is going to be there Without a doubt. It's now seeming like Powell is is back. Is he back for good? Who knows? Who knows? So there's that issue. There is the issue of this team losing leads. Because oftentimes, as has been documented, Kid likes to let his players play through mistakes and runs which you understand, but you also have to know when to, okay, reel it in. So there's that. And then the third reason why I give head coach Jason Kidd a D is that sometimes it genuinely feels like he and I are doing the same job, watching Luca save the Mavs. (laughs) And I need my coach to do a little bit more sometimes. And so all in all, Jason Kidd gets a D. It's not a grade that's set in stone. It's just your midterm grade update. 
you know, maybe by the end of December, maybe by January, he'll put a bigger coaching hat on. But but that's where things stand in my class. Thank you, Professor Kayanja. Shana Vaz, what's your grade for Jason Kidd so far? You know how much I love to disagree with Ian. So it's not going to be too much different, though. So I'm... I'm in line with a lot of what Ian's saying, but I, I, you know, at this point I'd give him a C, you know, again, you know, my favorite phrase, of course, everybody knows is it's still early. Um, it technically still is early in the season. We've, we saw this last year with Jason K where it took time for him to kind of, you know, figure out the best for, for the roster. I think everybody watching the Mavs, everybody who is a Mavs fan can tell that Christian Wood should be the starting center. And it's, I, for me, I think it's a matter of time before Jason Kidd for some reason or another, realizes that and decides to put him in but look they're a top 10 team offensively and defensively both you know it does you know lucas you know lucas usage rate and you lucas kind of rely or the mavericks reliance on luka Doncic is it concerning yes then at the end of the day you know i i think where you want the mavericks to be with their roster i mean this is still this is kind of what you expect right the job that he's done i agree with Ian. um you know on the on the javel mcgee you know, issue. And we've talked about that ad nauseum at this point, it's, it's time to put up or shut up, right? Let's see what, what he can do knowing now, you know, what this team is and exactly what, what JaVale McGee brings to the table and let's see what kind of changes he, he institutes going forward. Give it a C. Okay. Kendra, what's your grade for Jason Kidd? I think, you know, going into the season there's a lot of high expectation and optimism for the Mavs season part of it is because of Luca and the second part was because of kid and the fact that he was able to get so much out of what you know that roster from last season and so you know you add Wood you lose Bronson you add McGee you move Dinwiddie to the starting lineup and it's been inconsistent. I mean, I agree with Ian and Shauna Vaz. It's for me, it's it's like a C minus. I have not been impressed with um, the way things have gone. I think the ick that I have with with Kid right now um, is the way that he's utilized Wood. The one game I cannot remember, but Wood was in the fourth quarter. He did close it out, but they end up having to they, – they lost the lead and they went into overtime and Wood did not play in the overtime. And then the press conference, Kid basically kind of threw Wood under the bus without really throwing him under the bus. And to me, as a leader, as the coach of the team, that is not something you want to do, especially with the – to me, the second-best player on the team. Apart from that is also what the guys have been saying is the the rotation lineups, the the timeouts, not using them during runs. I, I I really don't know what I really don't know what kid is doing, <laughs> um, if I'm being honest. And so maybe he's just getting the feel for the, the lineups or whatever, but I also feel like he's going with what he knows. And a lot of that is just based on what worked last season. But in so many ways, this roster, even though it has some of the majority of the players that were there last season, this season, 
you still have to find ways to win games without riding Luca every single night. And that is putting Wood as a starter, giving him starter minutes, um, using fresh legs, whether that's Hardy, and just going further down in the bench. And so right now, it's not really, it's not as experimental as I would like for it to be. And to me, this is kind of where you can kind of do that at the beginning of the season where you kind of fill it out and things like that. But right now we kind of see, excuse me, it seems kind of set in stone as it appears as far as like him wanting to stick with a a certain plan. And maybe that's, you know, part of the coach's plan that we are not privy to. And, you know, they have their own criteria um, and what they look at and maybe going into the second um, quarter of the season, this is what, you know, that we might see different changes. But right now, C- minus for kids. Okay, C-. minus. Um, hmm, report card. I'm going to give Jason Kidd a... I'm gonna give him a C plus. You know, he's like that he's like that student in class that sits in the back row. He's just n- nice to everybody in the class. Um, but he has potential. He he has potential to be an A student. He has potential to be an honor roll student type um he has that type of potential. And it's just a few tweaks. But those tweaks are major in the the grand scheme of things when you look at the big picture for what they're trying to do here in Dallas. And that is the rotations, um, lost leads, and the Luka-centric offense. The rotations, I feel like you just got to make a few tweaks. It's really not that hard. Play your best players. It's that simple. Play your best players. And Christian Wood is one of them. He's the second, worst case, third best player on this team. Um, Play him in meaningful minutes. The start is not as important as the the finish. So at least play him in one of them. I mean, because that's where you see um, the Mavericks lose games. It's either the first quarter or the fourth quarter. And they're always playing good in that second quarter. And it's most of the time because Christian Wood. And not to be be a dead horse, but the Mavericks have to use those two players, especially when they're so good at pick and roll. They're so good at the two-man game, pick and pop. And even Christian Wood said it. That's what's confusing to me. Like, even Christian Woods, like, saying, like, hey, that's what happens when you play us and, you know, um, and play us more and you, and people will see what we're about, the potential we have. And they don't play that much together. They played a little bit recently when Christian Wood has played, but they need to play a lot together because it makes the offense unpredictable. Lost leads, we've seen them so many times th- – the Mavericks lead the league in clutch games. And that's because losing those big leads and not just like five, six points, 
they're losing like double digit leads. And then also, um, um, a few of the games they had to come back because um, they were down. But you, you can't have lost leads, especially if you're trying to be a serious contender. Um, even with this roster that they have, that's good. Um, um, you know, it, it has a chance to be great with the rotations and lost leads, and maybe a trade or two. Um, you you can't lose leads, especially to the teams that are not playoff teams. And then Lucas-centric offense. And the reason I say that is because, yes, he is a top three player in the league. And right now, one or two, take your choice. It's too focused on Luca, And he can – and we'll get into it with the high usage. But uh, to be a contender, you're looking at the top teams, even teams that have high usage um, like Giannis and, I mean – who else? Jason Tatum. Guys who have the ball in their hands, they still have other players that get involved into the offense. And you really don't see that as much when the offense is ran through Luka most of the time. I mean, yeah, you have sometimes take your turn, Spencer Dinwiddie, especially when he's getting hot. But, like, most of the time, it Luka is the engine of this team, which is great, but... When you're trying to be a contender, you need other players to get involved. I don't know if that's because they don't have the players to create their offense, but at least they have Spencer and Christian Wood. That's enough to make your offense a dynamic one um, with, with the tools that they have. So I'll give a C-plus with a potential to be an A student. Why are you shaking your head, Ian? Man, I believe in your optimism and your idealism. I just gave him a C plus. But you said potential to be an A plus student. To me, I just said A student. Uh, look, potential to be an A student is a reach. I say potential to be a very strong B minus student is a, a more strong. Accurate. A strong what? B minus student, man. A strong B minus student. Do y'all agree? Kendra, do you agree? Uh, Sean Navas, y'all agree with that? That's that's the ceiling? You know what? You know what the biggest... I, I think the biggest telling sign will be is kids' adaptability, right? Ian, you know, you want to bring up yeah. your... Uh, you know, or, or just any you know any of us, you know, whenever we've been in school, and I know Kendra and, and Ian obviously are, are, you know, excelling in their master's degrees, um, you know, in their courses, but... Anybody who's ever been in school knows, right? If you just, you know, sometimes the way you're studying doesn't work, right? The way you try to retain information doesn't work. You got to change it up a bit, right? You you fail the first test, you fail, you know, maybe you've got a, a you know, a D or, or a C minus going into, you know, going into your fall midterms, and you gotta you gotta figure out how you get how are you gonna change that, right? What are you gonna do to retain that information better or make yourself more efficient? The best way that we're gonna be able to tell is is how well is kid gonna adapt to the roster that he has, right? Are the trade that that potentially will come later—that's that's a whole different story. But with the roster he's been given now, with guys like Christian Wood and with Josh Green and with Spencer Dinwiddie, how is Jason Kidd going to adapt to utilizing those players in the most effective and efficient manner to make sure this team can be as, success, as successful as possible? If he does it, land into your point, he can be an A student. 
right? If he can realize in the next four to five weeks, hey, man, this isn't working much like he did last year. Let's not forget where this team was last year going into January. And Kidd made the adjustments necessary that put the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. So if he can adapt the same way that he did last year, I have no doubt that he could be an A-plus coach or an A-minus or even an an A coach. The question is, can he do it again? Yeah, and it, and I also think it comes down to trusting your players, you know, and just letting them, letting them fail. You know, what's that? What's that saying? Um, falling forward, <clears throat> or failing forward, or whatever that is. But you just have to trust your players. You know, you can't take one game from um, September and then somehow say, okay, well, because this happened, then you know we're not. He's not ready yet. So I think it's it's just a matter of letting, again, utilizing your full roster, you know, and seeing what works. And I, other coaches are doing it um, around the NBA where they're putting their rookies in or they putting new players in. And you just, you're just seeing what works. You have to let the chemistry build on the team. And I also feel like that's kind of um, a little rough right now um, with some of the rotations. So adaptability and also trusting your talent. Ian, what, are you shaking your head at our points? Are they invalid or you have something else to say? No, I have, I have nothing to say. I, I'm just, but you're shaking your head you. like you got to. That's, that's, a, that's a first, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> I'm no, just, I, I'm I just I admire the idealism. I do. But as you know, I Landon, I've talked about this ad nauseum. Jason Kidd teams have a life cycle. And it's always year one is the best year, and then things progressively get worse. I don't know why that should change this time around. It's not to say that Jason Kidd is a bad coach. What I do think he is, is that he sets the culture of competitiveness so that a better coach can come in and thrive off of that. I don't think Jason Kidd is going to be the coach to take the Mavs to the promised land. That coach will be someone else. And in my mind, it's not that Jason Kidd won't be with the organization maybe he's in a different role. I just don't think that his life cycle as a coach extends past four years. And it's because his teams have a life cycle. And this is how things go with player coaches. Player coaches are great at reaching the players fast. They're great at changing the culture fast. But with anything, if you get too close to the people that you are supposed to be leading, they start to doubt you, especially when you make decisions that don't make sense to them. And that's why you saw it in Milwaukee, Brooklyn, it only lasted one year. And you can try to say, oh, he went to LA and he learned and maybe he did. But I also know human nature. And one one year of learning does not make you a changed person. And so... (laughs) It's just Ian knows human nature, you guys. It, no, like I, I've observed human beings, and I know human beings don't necessarily change all that much. They just get better at acting like they've changed. And the reason why I say this 
is it goes to how Kidd has managed this Christian Woods situation. And it's that we wouldn't still be talking about it as members of the media if he just gave a straight-up answer. All the advanced analytics tell us Christian Woods should be playing. The eye test tells us Christian Woods should be starting. And yet, you don't play him as much as you should, you don't play him with Luca as much as you should, and you don't start him, and then you don't want to answer for it in press conferences. To me, that signifies a coach that hasn't changed all that much. It's just he did a good job of presenting humility and not being as abrasive, but he still holds much of the same values of I'm going to do it my way, hell or high water. The only thing I would push back on as far as the players coach and saying like they have a life cycle, I would just, I'm not going to look at kid because it's still, you know, he's still doing it with the maps, but um, Ty Lu, you know, he's, he's considered a player's coach and he's doing fine. Steve Kerr to a degree is also um, a player's coach. So there's, there are good examples of successful um, player coaches out there in the NBA kid is, you know, his track record, I think is very warranted to question his ability to adapt and, and all of those things and see if he can just kind of go with the flow. Um, but as far as the player coach and success and all of that getting too close, I, I, I don't agree with that. Ian. And this is what and I'm I saying wanna... the era of, Oh, go ahead, Ian. No, I, I was just because Kendra, you bring up a good point in that Ty Lue and Steve Kerr have been successful, but it's also that Ty Lue is a great coach at making adjustments. He never sticks to one thing, and he's gonna be—he's one of those coaches that make the adjustment as soon as it makes sense. Steve Kerr is very much the same way where you saw it in the Warriors run last year where some of these young guys that weren't playing all of a sudden are playing big minutes because it's a favorable matchup. Oh, the offense needs to run through Kevon Looney because Dallas has no bigs that can stop him. We can do that. It's that this willingness to see what sticks versus a kid mantra that is, I'm running down this lane, and I'm going to ram my head against this wall until I break through. And you can break through a wall by running straight through it over and over again, or you could just take the easy way, climb over it, walk around it, or find the weak spots and push it those. But oftentimes with kid, it seems like I'm going to run through this wall until it literally will nearly cost me something to make a change. Speaking of running through walls, make sure y'all run through the wall to go to Chop Shop Victory Park. They have specials during Mavs games. That's home and road. $5 Mav shots and $5 the big German from Rollertown. But Kendra, what's your thoughts on Ian's um, point? I think I think maybe, and this is what, it's Sean Device, you can tell me if I'm, I'm wrong, but that's what him and I were talking about as far as his potential lies on the adaptability and trusting his players. That's all we're talking about. And it's not an idealistic view. It's That's just what it is. That is, you know, the trademark of a good to great coach, a coach that's not afraid to, you know, in big moments, 
can make the changes that are necessary based on, you know, matchups and, and, and all of those other things. So Ian, I agree with you to a certain extent. Um, but I also think, again, you, you're, you alluded to the points that Shanavaz and I made, you just didn't give us credit for it and that's okay. <laughs> Oh God, I love having Kendra oh, back. Oh, there I'm we go. Sure. Let's oh, go. I'm yes. sure position that that won't oh, happen boy, because I love it. Never I love it, Kendra. That. You know, like that. Look, like, here's that's here's, my position. Just give him credit, Ian. Just give him credit. Here's what I'll say. I, I think. I, okay, I, I get Ian to your point. Kid's never done it, right? It's not like he's been around coaching the NBA for 20 years, right? We're still in, in terms of, of his coaching tenure, he's still relatively new. It's not like he coached 10 years in, in Milwaukee or 10 years in Brooklyn and then took, you know, the Dallas shop and we've got this, this great track record of success. You know, Kendra brings up a good point that the, obviously there's still plenty of time for him to, you know, for, for us to see that adaptability, right? In a player empowerment league now that we live in with the NBA, you have to be a player's coach, right? I mean, there's no, there's none of this hardball stuff. I mean, you know, I, I think every coach to some, to some degree has to, has to get along with their players and has to have that relationship with their players. If you look at, I mean, it's just an interesting thought that I just had and, and, you know, you guys can obviously comment on it and tell me what you think, but we, we talk about the coaching landscape in the NBA and I'm just thinking back to all the coaches that have won titles in the last decade. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking guys like Steve Kerr, who let's not forget was an executive before, who's got different experience in terms of building rosters, knowing how to, um, you know, knowing how to, you know, co collect, you know, let players, you know, the way that they play together after playing with Jordan for so long. Guys like Mike Budenholzer, Budenholzer who was under, who was a, a believe was under Greg Popovich for the longest time, who's arguably one of, if not the greatest basketball coach of all time. Um, Nick Nurse, who, you know, uh, I'm not too familiar with his history, but then you've got that entire LeBron and, and Steph era where, again, Steve Kerr, it's guys like Tyron Lue, right? Like, I, I feel like we coaching does matter a lot, and I think you, it, it, a coach has to take it upon themselves, like Kendra said, to be adaptable and to make sure that they can they understand and realize the changes that need to be made. But you also have to look at kids' experience, and it, it's it's hard to say that he has to understand this now. Are we frustrated with it? Absolutely, because from the from our eye test, it's quite obvious and quite evident what needs to happen. But there maybe there are some factors that we just aren't privy to, right? That we don't know about that potentially are happening. That again, we have to wait and see if he can really if he can take that and understand kind of what we're seeing and show that on the court. All right, we'll leave it there. TBD. We'll, we'll give an, we'll give another report card. You know, it's it's uh, it's something that is fluid. It, it it'll change over time for the good or the bad. Um, we'll see. But let's get to the next topic. So let's let's get to the Western Conference outlook. And this topic, we'll just go over some of the surprises. Um, not specifically in games, but just some of the surpri surprises that that we see around the Western conference. Um, and I'll start with, uh, I'll start with Kendra this time. Kendra, what is your outlook on the Western conference as a whole, um, holistically outside of the Mavericks? Um, I, I have a feeling you're going with one team that, that you talked about, but what was, what's your, what's your outlook on the Western conference so far? I think this is going to go down to 
to the wire. Um, as far as, you know, who's the number one team, the, the one through six is going to fluctuate. Um, I think you mentioned it earlier um, about parity, like the parity in the league. I mean, it's just the level of conf- uh, talent teams that you thought were for sure penciled in. This is their tanking and things like that. They're at the top. And so in teams that are, you know, normally have regular season success are at the bottom right now. So it's in the Mavericks are kind of like right there, you know, um, so. I think overall we're seeing um, one players who were um, out uh, last season, they're back now. Um, uh, I think of Denver Nuggets, Portland Trailblazers, um, those type of teams. And so you have teams who are healthier. Um, you have teams who are still finding their rhythm, but I think overall, as far as the Western conference, I mean, I I truly believe this is going to go down to the wire um, just because of how everything is. Um, Like, I I truly don't know, you know, Um, there's to me, there's not a like this is the this is the number one team um, right now. Now, you might say Utah Jazz might be the best team right now, but who's to say they're going to be there in the end? Because, you know, some people believe that the Warriors are gonna find a way and, and come out on top and, and things like that but it seems like uh portland trailblazers you know like no one put them in 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 the discussion as far as the playoff team and things like that um but you know you did cur- come on now this is your moment right here you've been talking I about did. them i have you know they you know they've been sleeping on on, on that team in portland but you know i think it's just their defense has been, I think, the biggest turnaround. I know Damian is back, but their defense has really been the difference maker. Part of that is because they added Jeremy Grant, and he is a you know versatile um, big, and he can guard one through five, and so that gives them a lot of room to you know kind of um, um, play around with defensive schemes and let them take more risks because he's there. So that's what I'm saying as far as, like, the talent, the, the health of teams and things like that, man. It's just – it's great. You never know who's going to win on each night. I don't think you can go based off previous records. I think it's you just have to look at it through, through a different lens and respect the talent on each team. Yeah, and that just makes the games so much more entertaining, no matter who you play. Um, and. and and also the playoffs, it's, it's just going to be great all around where you don't just see, you know, the easy cupcake games. Um, Shauna Vaz, what is your outlook on the Western Conference so far? Yeah, Kendra kind of stole my answer there, so I got to give her props for for that. And also the the Trailblazers pick before the before the season started, that was, you know, I, the, the, the addition of Jeremy Grant and Shaden Sharp, I think is, you know, is a huge um, boost to that team and Anthony Simons has just been balling out. I mean, that, uh, talk about a guy that could have gotten a lot more money on the open market and, and you know, sniper, Portland did a man. great job to great job to re- to you know keep him there. You know, when I look at the Western Conference, it's it's surprising to me because I didn't realize it, but how many teams made significant changes in the offseason, right? You talk about player movement and parity, you know, within um, you know within the league, and you know teams like 
uh, Denver, obviously, you know, maybe didn't make big moves, but are getting a bunch of their players back, right? They traded for, you know, guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, you know, Portland, obviously, getting Dame back, making, you know, front office changes, drafting a guy like Shaden Sharp. You know, Minnesota, Golden State, you know, Dallas, all these teams that have made changes to their starting lineups or have lost key significant players, um, you know, or in Minnesota trying to add key players. And, and really, you're seeing the kind of the I, I wouldn't say the tip of the scale or, or the, the balance of the skill shift in one way or another, but you're really seeing that, like Kendra said, it's a wide open race. Right. So you've got teams that are separated by, I think, what, four or five games, you know, from top to bottom. I mean, you know, it's it, at least from playoffs down, it's and it's miraculous that any hot week, you're going to see another team in first place and a bad week for a team, you're going to propel down to, to eighth place in the play-in tournament. So, you know, it's, it's going to be neck and neck throughout the entire year. And that makes for great basketball because every game is going to be entertaining. Every, you know, every mistake, every, you know, um, every injury, every, um, game lost by you know due to poor coaching at the end you know it's it's all going to make for entertaining tv and this basketball fan that's uh that's awesome but it, it really means that you know from a from a mavericks perspective or even just any a fan of any team you've really got to hope that your your you know your franchise really stays kind of stays consistent and stays alongside you know the trends that are that are happening because there's a lot of a lot of moving parts in the western conference this year it feels like Agree with you, Sean Navas. Definitely, um, Ian. What, what's your what's your outlook on the Western Conference? Yeah, I mean, the West this year has just banged home the point for me of how much I want NBA expansion because it, it's it, even the teams that you know have only collected a handful of wins have some guys on that team, and there's so much talent in the league now where even if you're playing a team that, you know, maybe to this point in the season only has like four or five wins or whatever it may be, there's you, you can still be in a competitive game even if you find yourself as a two seed. Um, and that just goes to show like how evenly distributed the talent is in the league and, and how good that is for the product of basketball. I noticed um, NBA.com started doing their crunch time shows just because they would have – six, seven games a night going down to the wire. Um, and so it, it's really just how fun the Western Conference has been. Like I like I, watching games like, say, um, I don't know, Sacramento in Golden State that happened on Sunday where Sabonis has a 20-20 and 20 game and, you know, Curry's cooking on the other end. And like, the league is just in such a good spot and there's so many fun teams in the West. And – I'm kind of glad that we're out of that phase where every team was just shooting layups or threes and that you're seeing teams that have different types of stars that play the game a different way. Like, you know, if you turn on a Suns game, you're going to see them kill you with the mid-range jumper, you know, versus like if you turn on a Sacramento Kings game, they're going to run and gun. And if not, you're going to watch Sabonis cook in the low block. Like for the first time since probably 2008 or 9 or 10, we're seeing teams that play different than each other within the same conference. And that is so fun to see. And to Kendra's point with the Blazers, she did an amazing job in in kind of seeing what none of us could see is that the Blazers have a little bit of everything. I mean, you have Dames, your superstar, but then they have a versatile wing defender and score in Grant. 
I mean, they, they have that Simon's kid that just lights out. And, and Nurkic, when he's healthy, is huge. I mean, that, like, they call him the Bosnian beast for a reason. <laughs> uh, like, that team is un- unbelievably balanced. And so, all in all, just it, it's banged home the point. Like, the NBA needs to expand, man. Like, this, the, there's so much talent on these teams. Like, the the 15th guy on this roster could give give buckets to some of these teams in the 90s. Yeah, I I, I like that you said expansion because I know the NBA has been talking about that within the past year or so um, about expanding um, to not just one but a couple teams within the next couple um, few years and. We're at a point, like you said, we're at a point where there will be enough talent in the pool to expand in a couple of years. With, like you said, just the um, the competitiveness around the league right now, it's it's great. Even even though it's early, it's still great. Like I hope this continues to at least half halfway of the season because um, it just makes basketball as a whole um, great, as, especially if you want to move forward. Um, um, as a league, so you're not have such a um, a gap between, you know, the bottom teams on the spectrum all the way to the top teams on the spectrum. It seems like it's it's very there's a lot of fluidity um, amongst the league, and it's exciting to see. It's really exciting to see. The biggest thing I would say from the Western Conference outlook is just the um, competitiveness um, with two teams in particular and one that Sacramento to be honest uh last season I like watching games outside the Mavs and there's only two two teams last season that I literally just could not watch like I couldn't force myself to watch and that was the Orlando Magic and also the Sacramento Kings and now I like watching both of those teams this season, like the Kings, obviously the magic with, um, you know, their number one pick. And then also um, the Statue of Liberty ball ball out there, but the Sacramento Kings, I really like that. So much fun. So they want, it's so much fun. And they, they won that trade just as much as the Pacers did. Who's competitive it's one of those as well? Win trades, man. One of those, rare which is surprising trades. to think about, because at the time yes. that trade was so panned that it was like everyone was, you know, just uh, I mean, egregiously against the Kings without really knowing, you know, what got them. But De'Aaron Fox and, and Sabonis look like a really, really good pair. Really. And shout good out pair. to Mike Brown for you know oh, yeah. being able to utilize them to like going back to the the, the coaching topic you know he was with Cleveland he, we, we know his history he was with the Warriors for so long and I think you know one of the things that he picked up from being with Kerr is just like player movement ball movement you know and I, he adjusted yeah. he adapted that and now you're seeing that um in real time so yeah it, it's great to see okay. Kendra well I'll just gonna say Kendra do your Mike Brown yell What's my what's my Mike Brown you? You, you didn't see that? Oh, you don't, you didn't see I that? I didn't see it. No. Oh. 
You do it for me, please. Uh, my voice is uh, either, uh, <laughs> I'm a little parsh. I got actually, <laughs> actually, I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's a player. He's screaming, and it was media day. Then he screamed. You know, he's like, yeah, ah! you know I might those? have to. I might have to. I might have to do that to Ian next time he um, out of pocket with one of these uh, comments. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, I, I gotta on, say, man. to Kendra's point about. <laughs> To Kendra's point about coaching, we got to give, I, I think, you know, like, you know, I think credit to Will Hardy as well with the Jazz. I mean, when they blew up the oh, team and, yeah. you know, letting go of guys like, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, you bring in a guy like Will Hardy. And, and of course, Danny Ainge, you know, takes over a franchise and, and you know, start, you know, somehow is is building a legitimate roster. And, you know, Will Hardy's making guys like Laurie Markin and, you know, look like franchise players. I mean, a guy He's, that I'm sure the Mavericks would love to have. His name, that's Laurie Bird. Oh, man. Lori yeah. <laughs> Markin is looking good. Mike Conley looks rejuvenated. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson's playing out of his mind. I mean, that's a fun team to watch. Like, I, I don't think anybody thought, um, you know, the Jazz would be anything good. And, and, and you know, they were taking for, for Wembayama. And, and, you know, they're they're staying competitive, man. They, they're a fun team. To, to, and they're to deep watch, as but, well. I mean, you also got yeah. Sexton. You got um, Beasley. He's doing good. You got Kessler. Um, THT actually looks like he, he – he did with some of the runs that he had with the Lakers. And and in true Danny Ainge style, they have like 17 first-round picks now over the next so like 10 years. So. so many picks. And then uh, the other team I was – I'm surprised that I left out Jazz. Thank you, Sean DeVos. Um, and the other team was the Spurs. They're actually competitive as well. I thought they were going to be in a tank fest, like going to the bank um, for, you know, one of these two top – um, talents that are going to be in the draft um, this next upcoming draft, but they're looking competitive and they also got like, what, six six guys that are averaging um, double figures in, in, in points and, you know, Pop always finds a way to utilize the players that he has so that's very surprising to me with the roster that they had. Um, they have some good young, young guns too. The Rockets, oh man, that's probably the only team that it's just not looking good. Like even with the talent that That's they my, have, I can't watch team man. Like, yeah, this year I can't watch them. I, it's the only team I can't watch team. in the league. Mm-mm. Well, I, the Hornets I, too. That, those Rockets games, like it's just watching Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green chuck shots. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, like a Rising Stars game. Like those dudes, I'm taking Jordan Clarkson off my All NBA No Pass team right now. The All NBA No Pass team is headed up by Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green because they have the best shooter on the roster. Jabari can't get any touches, none. The shots he get is it's he's his. If you look at his stats, it looks bad. But like if you like you said, you watch the games. He's not in a great situation to succeed this season at least okay <laughs> all right i'll just I'll, I'll throw in there just another, another not necessarily a team just because I, I you know from a team perspective i don't expect them to finish great but you know we're talking about tanking and stuff and i, I think we'll see a regression to the mean as we kind of get closer into 
you know, into next year and teams start selling off pieces. But Shea, Shea Gilders Alexander, man, that kid is, oh. I mean, just lighting it up. I mean, it's, yes. it's, he's, he's, he's Something. moving on my list of most fun players to watch. I mean, he is just, he's a treat every Ice time to watch that kid play. And I give all Ooh. credit to Ian. Ian has talked about, Ian has been on the Shea, the SGA train since what? day one. No. Um, Landon has something to say about that. And, and Landon, Ian, I know, Ian I know, was giddy. Ian, been, He's giddy. I'm, Did y'all not see Josh Giddy's 20 point double, triple, whatever? No, hold on. You got to get, get, get it up out of here because this is, this is SGA. <laughs> I was the, on the SGA I'm train. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You, you you say that you've been on the SGA train, but one of us has his jersey framed on our wall right here. Okay, I can't beat that one. <laughs> okay, you got me. You got me. No, but SGA, man, the kid is special. He's a fighter. And yeah. OKC, every, like the, the national media gives them a bad rep. They're like, oh, they're just tank artists. And, like, the past two years, it's been pretty bad. Like, all of a sudden, players have, like, bruised butt cheeks and aren't playing for weeks at a time. But. No but, comment. No comment. Is this, this another Ian Ian quote we got to write down, Landon? <laughs> every, every week, it's something new. Bruised no, butt cheeks? But, Come on, man. Bruised butt cheeks. Come on, man. But this year, man, something is different. <laughs> Dagnalt has them boys playing hard. And. For the most part, on all of their recent draft picks, not Chet, have looked like they're going to be half decent NBA players. Even Poku, like Poku had a seventeen and, and twelve double double. And I'm a Poku, the biggest Poku hater. Yeah. I'm a Poku skeptic. That brother looks like he doesn't belong on an NBA court. But yet again, I will always admit when I'm proven wrong. And this three four game stretch from Poku has really opened my eyes that there are some nuances to his game that I didn't understand. Like he, he mm. he's not going to be a generational guy or anything like that, but he's an interesting, funky player. He's just kind of different and that's cool, man. And so shout out to OKC. Do it, do yeah. it, doing it up. And Jalen Williams, he's, um, well, there's two, which one? Him on the t- <laughs> which one? Yeah. The, which the one, the one that plays. <laughs> the one that played, the ones that's not in G League right now. Um, he he's gonna be spe- he's gonna be special in a couple of years. I, I really like his game as well. All right, so let's let's get to the uh, the the final topic that we have here. The 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 topic I'm really excited to hear just what y'all think about it. Lucas high usage. Not only high usage, because we know he can do this all season. We know the brother can ball. Like he, He's neck and neck with Giannis uh, for MVP right now um, at, at this point in the season so far. Overall success for this Mavs team and where they want to go or what where they say they want to be um, based on the success they had last season and just the conversations and and quotes that they give us so far is Luca's high usage sustainable for the Mavs success. Sean Vaz, I'll start with you. So your question is, is, is Luca's high usage rate sustainable for the Mavericks? No, I don't think so. 
I don't I don't think he's We've seen Luca wear down the past two seasons. We've seen the struggles he has in the fourth quarter of regular season games. We see the fatigue that creeps up, regardless of you know the off season conditioning. And, and and now you're getting national media podcast talk of oh Luca's diet and Luca's you know uh, you know his weight control and, all, and this and that. And it really bums me out. But is it sustainable? No. Is it necessary right now? Absolutely, because I, I think we've seen that the Mavericks are not. Uh, 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 you know, the, and Ian said this plenty of times, Mavericks go as Luka goes, right? And it's it's unfortunate, but it's true. That's the way that this team is built. That's the way that this roster is constructed. And that's just the way that they're going to play the game, right? Giannis has, you know, we've seen Giannis do the same thing with his teams. But, you know, when, when Milwaukee identified that that wasn't going to be, you know, a, a good solution, they went out and got a guy like Drew Holiday to come take some of the load off of it, right? So the Mavericks have to look themselves in the mirror and realize that they need to make a change, that they need to get, you know, again, we've talked about this feels like every episode, right? And I feel like we'll we'll keep talking about it until it does happen. But the Mavericks need a secondary ball handler, shot creator, somebody to take the load off of Luca, or figure out a scheme to get Christian Wood more touches and take some of the pressure off of Luca. But for the time being, is it sustainable? No. Is it necessary? Absolutely. Just real quick, do you, do you feel like Spencer's? Um not that guy from what you've seen so far this season? I loved what Spencer Dinwiddie has done this season. I'm thoroughly impressed. He had, I know he's had a couple of games where he's been rough, but man, the times when the Mavericks needed him, he's really stepped up. But if you're asking him to be the second primary option on this team, I don't, I don't think that's his role, right? I think you're seeing if he was in this role as, a, as the third option, even off the bench, I mean, my God, like this, this team would be a lot better than they already are right or or significantly better there's losses that we've talked about that the Mavericks shouldn't have and I can I can almost guarantee that if Dinwiddie was off the bench and you had a dip you know some other guy whoever that may be hell call it Jalen Brunson if you had him in that two hole and Dinwiddie off the bench this Mavericks team may only have one or two losses but it's it I love everything I've seen out of Spencer Dinwiddie but you're going to run into the same problem that you're running into with Luca is when is fatigue going to catch up to him when is you know the, the him carrying you know the load anytime Luke is off the court? When is that going to catch up? Because eventually it will. Definitely, Ian. What's your thoughts on Luca's high usage? Is it sustainable for the Mavericks' success? It, I'm a, a firm believer. One man bands don't win championships, but by golly, they sell tickets, man. Like it. There's something about watching, and maybe it's our human nature. Like, we love that underdog story. It's like how we always love the team that wins the championship the first time around. But once they win it the second and the third time, it's like, all right, you've had your time in the sun. It's why NBA fans, like, collectively, in our collective memory, we all were rooting for Allen Iverson when when he played the Lakers. Like, he was the little guy. He was the guy that took the Sixers to the finals with an old Dikembe Mutombo and Eric Snow and Aaron McKay, a whole bunch of nobodies. He 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 put that team on his back. He, he took down the Bucks, who had Ray Allen, and they had a squad back then. He took down the Raptors when the they had Vince Carter and that crew. And through hell or high water, man, he he found a way and. That game one that he stole in L.A. is crystallized in NBA fans' memory because it was that moment of 
uh, the little guy saying I won't be pushed around. So all of that's in the backdrop of my mind when you pose this question of like, is Luka Doncic's high usage rate sustainable? It's not because when you're forced to do that for long stretches of time, often those people don't have long careers. So if we're going to zoom the scope out and look at it at the macroscopic level where no, you can't do this. The Chicago Bulls ran Derrick Rose into the ground in three years, you know, and, and that's what happens when you ask your star to be everything and do everything. It's exciting. It's fun until they start picking up those soft tissue injuries, those non-contact injuries that are that are directly linked to playing 39, 40 minutes a night. It's why it's why Giannis, you'll see him. He plays, he'll never lead the league in minutes. He plays like 32 to 34 minutes a night. That's why his per 36 stats are absolutely out of this world. Because they and and to Mike Budenoser's credit, whether for good or for bad, he keeps Giannis's minutes within reasonable range, even in the playoffs. And so it's that you don't win championships by having the one man band, but you sure do earn fans. And I think that's what Luca's doing this season. Like people are starting to take notice about the help or lack thereof that he has around him. And I believe Mavs games are must see TV. Because you're almost in awe of, like, how does this guy have 25 points and we're halfway through the second quarter? Like, <laughs> how does he have half of his team's points at halftime? How did he tie a Wilt Chamberlain record? Like, like, we're seeing things that are just unfathomable. And so it's not sustainable, but, man, it's fun. And as someone that gets to watch this team up close, I every, Landon, you hear me every game, I'm like, man, this is... This is a blessing, like to get to see the little guy, quote unquote, the little guy, the, the guy that ha- doesn't have nearly as much help as everyone else, go to go go up and battle, you know, uh, Jokic and uh, Kawhi and PG and all these other guys that have their crew, and you know, Luca will say like, I have my my guys, and meanwhile he's talking about Spencer Dinwiddie and Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. But Landon, you saw it at the game. Come on, man! Put some, you, put some you respect saw it at the on his Blazers name. game where Luca was like, "I still trust those guys. I believe in those guys." And like, there's something about that that is so endearing to this team. That look, and Luca seems like that superstar that says, "Like, you bring your best guys, and I'll beat you with whoever's left. I'll, I'll pick up the last four that you don't want, and I'll still beat you." And and he backs it up on most nights. And that's what's crazy to me. Some good points, Ian. Um, Kendra, what's what's your thoughts on Luca's high usage so far this season? Is it sustainable for the Mavericks' success? Well, I look back to um, I'm, I'm looking at like a, a bigger picture here. Go last season, uh, the Western, uh, the Conference Finals that ended in May. He comes back, he plays Euro basket, basketball, that ends in September. And then two weeks later, they're in training camp. And then, boom, here comes the regular season. So that's a lot of basketball um, within that span of time. And then you come into, you know, your 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 role as um, the leading scorer 
for the Mavs. Mr. Do it everything for your team. Um, I, I mean, is it sustainable? No. <laughs> um, can it be done? Sure. I don't, at, at this point, I don't question Luca's ability. I think it's a matter of others stepping up, you know, um, and I think at the, at this at this juncture of his career, his very young career, a lot is being asked of him. Um, he's having to do a lot of heroic things on a nightly basis. Part of it is because of, you know, um, the the talent, the you know second star, whatever you want to say, and also I think a lot of it is just you know not. The role players, to me, aren't um, being as criticized as they should. Um, so is it sustainable? No, but I wouldn't put it past Luca. Um, and I think part of the reason why he's tired is because he's played a lot of basketball um, in the past five or six months. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a matter of being out of shape or anything like that. I think he's kind of put that to rest. But I also think, you know, what's missing in this equation is the amount of basketball that he's um, played, um, where he's also, um, you know, the leading guy um, on his um, home country's team. So he's he's doing it on that side. He's doing it on this side to do it for another, I don't know, 60 plus games is that's a lot to ask of him but I because he's a competitor I'm not gonna sit here and say that he can't do it um but would it be to the detriment well not to the detriment but it, the success of the Mavs I think it, it it you have to look at the others it's not a matter of Luca and what can he do because he's proven what he can do it's a matter of looking at kids coaching, you know, in-game adaptability, and also the others stepping up and seeing what they can do. So I don't, that's, that's how I see it. No, I, I agree with you, Kendra. Um, is Luca's high usage sustainable for Maverick success? I, I agree with the consensus of, I agree with all of y'all because it's not sustainable for the Maverick's success. I think it's sustainable for Luca's success. I say that because I think if we're going this route that the Mavericks are going and Jason Kidd's going, I think he's going to get the MVP. I think this is su sustainable for Luca getting the MVP. And that's what it kind of looks like. It looks like the Mavericks are making moves for Luka to make sure he gets that award this season because we all see it. Christian Wood's a start. I mean, we say it every day. Even Christian Wood says it. I mean, let's, let me play with Luka. I mean, it, and Spencer Dinwiddie, it's a little different than Jalen Brunson because – Spencer Dinwiddie, he says it almost every press conference. He says, Luca's going to do his thing, and 
then it's going to be me. He didn't, he, he doesn't say we are going to do our thing. Like he, he knows Luca it's, it's his team It's his shine. He's the number one option. To be honest, he's damn near the number one, number two, number three, number four, number five option. I mean, if you think about it, and then you have Spencer. If he's on a hot streak, then he gets the ball, like, you know, a few plays in a row um, in Christian Wood, but he, he's usually playing with other um, bench guys. But I think it's sustainable for Luka on the MVP because it's not sustainable for the Mavericks' success. We've seen it this season. I mean, Luka's putting up 30, um, 38 and 8, and the Mavericks are would be only up by two. Like, that's crazy. I mean, he's doing this all-time start to the season, and they're, they're losing to non-playoff teams. I mean, and then they'll beat a, a good playoff team. So it's it's not sustainable for what the Mavericks want to do in terms of being a contender. It's sustainable for... Luca getting MVP and the Mavericks being the fifth seed or being the fourth seed. And that's what this whole episode was about. Jason Kidd's report card, how the Mavericks look against other teams in the Western Conference when you look at the um, outlook of, of the conference. And what is it going to take? Because when I see the high usage it's not that hard. Like he doesn't have to be doing what he has to do. Like I know we say the talent compare um, the uh, comparative to the other top contenders, but the Mavericks have talent on this team. Like a Luca Spencer, a Luca Christian Wood Spencer trio is not bad because we're looking at it with those three guys individually, but when you have Luca, who's one or two best player in the league, you can have a Christian Wood as your second guy. You can have a Spencer as your, your third guy. But those other guys better be hitting their shots. And that's how you're going to have success. The Reggie Bullocks, Dorian Finney-Smiths, um, um, THJ, Josh Green, Maxi Kleber, Maxi Kleber. The list goes on. Dang, they got so many shooters on this team. Dang. But um, for my Spencer Dinwiddie monologue, play Jaden Hardy. Play Jaden Hardy. You won't have so much high usage, especially for Spencer and Luca. Just give the boy ten minutes. He's dominated the G League. I mean. What's it going to hurt to give him 10 minutes a game, five minutes, even four minutes um, per half? It'll help his development. And you also won't have your star player and say, I'm tired after, what, 11 games, 10 games in the season? And he has to play because you don't want to – you want to get off to a good start, especially when there's parity in the league to start off the season where you can stay within – float from – the top three seeds in the, in, in the uh, Western Conference. But the boy is balling in the G League, and you got Spencer and Luka playing 33-plus minutes of the game, and you don't have a third ball handler. It doesn't make sense to me. That's, I'm going I'm to knock Jason Kidd down from C, uh, C plus to a C. 
just because of Jada Hardy. <laughs> just because of Jason Hardy. Jada Hardy. That's all. Play the boy. You can give him confidence too, just like Bones Highland, like like just like they did with um, how he played in uh, Denver last year. And you see him this season. I mean, he's not a he's not a rising star yet, but he he has confidence. He knows he belongs in this league, and that's what you can instill in Jaden Hardy. You see that Bones Highland uh, Twitter video he put up? Was it all his dance moves and yep. just the confidence this season? The boy got confidence through the roof, man. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for for Hardy to drop a similar mixtape next season. Yes, he be doing the gritty. He be uh, dapping the fans up. I mean, he be shimmy. I mean, he he loves playing, man. He's playing good. But that's, I'm, I'm that could be that could be Jaden Hardy. Exactly, I'm with you. Uh, it comes down to. It's not sustainable, so why not give others the opportunities? And when you have it on your roster, and you know adaptability. Let's yeah. see. And and if you <laughs> if you want to go out and find another ball handler, at least give the current ball handlers you have on your roster a shot. See see what's there instead of instead of running your two guards into the ground. Yeah, because it's gonna hurt long term and. And you're gonna have mistakes from Jaden Hardy, but that's what that's what part of growing pains are. I mean, we saw last season with Josh Green; uh, he had a lot of mistakes, but he also had a lot of flashes. And that's and that's what you can have with Jaden Hardy. You just starting to develop your your team because when you have players go for free agency, oh, okay, THJ he he signed somewhere else because he didn't want what the Mavs were offering. We have Jaden Hardy. He's been playing the last couple seasons. He, you know, that's how you, that's how you, that's the Spurs way, you know, let guys go get paid and you got a young guy coming right after him to step right into the role. Okay. So that was, that was our episode for today. Final words, man. It was great to have the, the full crew here. It was, it was so good. Just want to say that. Um, love being with this crew. Um, final words, uh, Kendra, you go first. Look. <laughs> oh, start on look. look. Rolling look. up the sleeves. Oh, I have to. I have to because my concern right now with the Mavericks is is Jason Kidd. Um, I'm, you know, I I don't want to be like Ian and, and go to the dark side, but I am, oh. it's calling my name right now. Whoa. And I know it's so early. You're supposed to I'm be sorry, in the middle. Shana Vaz is going to be upset. I know. And I'm trying to stay in the middle. I really we am. So the next, Look so the Ian, next couple feeding, of games. He's feeding. <laughs> oh my god. Dark Vader. <laughs> yeah. Antagonist energy. I'm feeling it, but no, um, the next couple of games, they're going to be at home. Um, they play a lot better at home. I think they've only won one game on the road uh, this season. So I do expect them to play better. I expect the uh, the role players to play better. Um, and, yeah, that's that's that. I'm going to leave it at that. I just expect the role, uh, the role players to play better because they're at home. Okay, 
so role players and Jason Kidd, you you look for improvements there. Um, Jason Kidd might take a minute, but the role players for sure. Hey, that's what happened last season. You know, after after Christmas, you know, it's time to rev up. Um, Shonda Vaz, final words. Uh, I'm just gonna. This is for Jason Kidd. Also, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It's the one that is most adaptable to change. Ooh. That was Charles Darwin who said that. So uh, Jason evolution. Kidd, be okay. <laughs> evolution. Yeah. Adaptability, baby. Put Christian Wood in the starting lineup. Let's go. There we go. You know how Ian has um, SGA's j- jersey on the wall. You should get. You should get that quote framed on the wall. Shana I'm gonna I'm gonna get it framed on a T-shirt with Jason Kidd's face on it. Wear it to a game. That's what I'm gonna do. No comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ian, final words. Man, um, final words. It, to me, it, can my final words not be Mavs related? It's just yeah. It's final words. Anything. Final words are just spread kindness, y'all. Kindness is free. Um, so if you have the means, well maybe said. buy somebody's coffee today. Um, give somebody a high five, smile. Uh, kindness is free. I I may be hard on the Mavs, but that's just the Mavs, um, and that's just basketball. So remember, all this is just basketball, and be nice to people, man. We need more niceness in the world. Well said. I like that. We'll we'll, we'll end it there. Um, Goodbye, everyone.